Up until this year, I've been a card-carrying member of the Advent Police. The Advent Police, in case you don't know, are clergy, and sometimes some others, who feel strongly that we are supposed to take these weeks before Christmas and really focus on the message of penitence and preparation and not rush towards Christmas. But as I say, up until this year, this year, and I think I'm not alone in this, I am happy for as many lights and ribbons and bows as we can put together. And I, for one, am put out that the trees on Park Avenue have those strands of lights already on them, and yet they're holding to their regular date in December before they go on. I want to go home and see those trees lit up now. It's been that kind of a year. But here in the church, it is still Advent, and in Advent, what we talk about in the church are the end times. That's what we do. And what's interesting today, when we hear from Jesus talking about the end times, when the Son of Man will come with power and great glory, he's actually just two days away from his arrest, three days away from his crucifixion. He's actually speaking as he heads into his own very human end times. Yet when he speaks, even though he's talking about the sun and the moon and the stars disappearing, falling from the sky, he's actually offering hope. Hope that I think he knows his disciples will need in these next days. And because we are disciples, hope that we will need. And one of the images of that hope, which I love, is the fig tree. Because he's saying, you know, think about the fig tree. When you see those leaves begin, you know that summer is near. And with summer, that fig tree will actually be filled with that delicious fruit. It's actually a lovely pastoral image in the midst of all of the rest that he says. The end comes, he's saying, but then there is new and delicious life. Paul, actually, in his letter to the church at Corinth, is saying the same thing. You have every spiritual gift you need. And we read that, and we think, that's nice. But as the clergy were talking this week, we were reflecting on Corinth in Paul's time. And Corinth was probably, if you wanted to think about it as a city, a combination of the seedy side of Las Vegas and some of the worst parts of Newark. Corinth was really not some lovely ancient city. And the church at Corinth was made up of the people who were on the seedy side of town, whose lives were marked by struggle and who were never lifted up as pillars of the community. And yet, Paul says, y'all have everything that you need. So what do Jesus and Paul know that we don't and that we need to know in the here and now? I think the first thing is that they know us. They know us as human beings. And they know how we think and how we act 
in regards to the future. The truth is what we as human beings try to do is to manage it, to control it, to create it. If we are parents with children, we spend a lot of time worrying about what school they're going to go to and how well they're going to do and where how well they do at that school might take them next. And as adults, many of us spend time thinking about what's the education I need to get where I want to go and what's the position I ought to take and what's the position after that so that I can get to whatever that goal is. And we have this thing we do called networking and networking is about connecting with people who you think will help you get to where you want to go to create that future that you see in your mind's eye. But let me ask a question and for this I would actually like to see a show of hands. How many of you have done a lot of planning? A lot of that kind of thinking ahead that I've just talked about but then found that something happened and things did not go according to plan. Yeah. We do that. Doesn't actually work the way that we hope it is and for although I think everyone raised their hands, but for the few of you who maybe did not raise your hands, don't raise them now. But I'm willing to bet that even for those where everything works according to plan, we get to that imagined future, that thing we've been longing for and find that it's not really all that we hoped it would be. That somehow it's not exactly the fullness that we hoped for. So here's what else Paul and Jesus know. And it's worth remembering that Paul was very clear about his future before he met Jesus. He was going to be the best persecutor of Christians ever. And he ended up being one of the most amazing evangelists for Christianity ever. Someone whose future turned out very differently. What they know is that what actually creates the future, creates even the possibility of a future for us is love. And that's not sentimentality. We actually know that to be true. The route to a secure future for children, a future that allows children to take risks is that they know they are strongly loved. And the truth is that most of us measure our true happiness by whether we're loved. It doesn't have to be romantic love, it can be the love for sure of a spouse or a partner, but it can be the love of a child or the love of a dear dear friend, the love of a mentor. But all of us know that what is the most powerful thing for us is to walk into a room and see a person whose face lights up just because we're there. And that person doesn't even need to support us in everything we do. They might challenge us or confront us. But they are people we know love us so that even if we tell them the whole truth of who we are, the ways we have failed, 
the things we have done wrong, they may scold us, but they will never reject us. Love is actually what creates the future and gets us through whatever turn out to be our own end times. Jesus also says, all this stuff is going to pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it's actually amazing, though I don't think we think about it very often, that nearly 2,000 years after Jesus spoke, we still have people up here reading Jesus' words. And we still have this Bible full of words, Jesus' words and the words of the people of God. And what these words are, what this whole Bible is, is the story of God's love for God's people. Now, like most love stories, it has its ups and downs, and there are times when it looks this is never going to work out. But in fact, it does. It finds its fulfillment, all these words, in Christ and through Christ and because of Christ. That's why the Corinthians, who don't have much, have every spiritual gift they need because they know they're loved. That's how the disciples in every age have everything they need because they have Jesus' love. Now we forget that in the busyness of our lives. We fall asleep, as it were, and we go back to trying to manage it all ourselves and figure out our future and make our own plans. But what we're called to do in this season, and actually in every season, is to stay awake, to look for where God is at work, to look for and be a vehicle of God's love. Because that's actually the way we not only find the light, it's how we live and walk in the light forever. Amen.